Please pray with me now. Almighty and gracious Father, your word is perfect, and in it your spirit grants to us life. So we ask that you would open your word to us. Open our ears that we might hear your voice. Be with the one who speaks, that he might be faithful to the message you have given, and that your character your purpose, and your Son might be magnified in our presence, and you would grant us faith to believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In 1979, a band named Pink Floyd released an album that I believe describes the human situation very well, the situation that mankind finds himself in. You see, in this album called The Wall, It tells the story of a person who is isolated. He is estranged from everyone and everything around him. No matter how much he hates it, he can't escape the walls that separate him from other men. These walls have been built up around him. And no matter what he does, he wonders, is there anybody out there beyond the wall? Is there anyone who can help me? Is there anyone who can reach me, who I can touch, who can know me? Or is he doomed to live a life without communion, without fellowship, without hope? At one point in the album, the man wonders if there is any hope at all, if there is any hope of ever getting beyond the wall Or is he doomed just to be another brick in the wall? Is he just another cog in the machine that doesn't know anything about true fellowship or communion with other men? It's an interesting story. I think it's interesting particularly because in our modern age that we live in, there is possibly no greater pain that men feel more acutely than the pain of separation from one another. It's something that we feel deep down in our bones, something that something is wrong with the world, that something separates us from other men in such a way that we hold men at arm's length, refusing to be vulnerable, refusing to let others in. We call it different things, isolation, estrangement, depression, loneliness, alienation, but they all get at the same root issue. That deep down, we know there is a problem within us that keeps us distant from each other. Even our closest friends and family never quite come the whole way in and break through that particular wall. We are strangers to one another, desperately in need of communion. And as we come to our text this morning, this estrangement that we feel with one another is actually what is before us in our text. This distance that separates us from one another has an origin, and that origin is in our separation that comes from God. You see, at one time, we were strangers who were far off. Strangers who were far off. Our text opens up in verse 11 this morning, and it starts out with bad news. 
It's like Paul is circling right around and using the same structure that he just used in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2. Where in those chapters he laid out for us the sinful condition that we are by nature found in. That we are children of wrath. And eventually he moves on to how the people of God become children of mercy. And in verses 11 through 22, he follows a very similar structure to just what what went before. So much so that you kind of want to say, hey, uh, uh, Paul, uh, didn't you just tell us all this already? I mean, you've already walked us through uh, Christianity 101. We've already understood the basics of Christianity just a moment ago. What are you doing this for? Why are you recycling similar information in a new way? And yet, God, directing the hand of Paul, knows what his people need to hear, and he knows what his people need to know. And he wants us to see again who we once were. He wants us to see how deep our need is in order that Christ will be most exalted and most glorified. I've heard it said before that we see Christ most exalted when we are on our knees. What that means, what that speaker was particularly referencing, is that when we see how desperate our need is, how great our need is, then we see him most plainly exalted high above us. And so Paul comes at the main problem mankind faces again. Only this time, he does it from a slightly different angle. And he tells us that we were once Gentiles in flesh, strangers to the covenant of God. Paul tells us that we were not circumcised, but we were of an uncircumcised people. It's interesting language that Paul capitalizes on. It's interesting what he uses here. This language has all kinds of implications that are carried along with it. But Paul is primarily speaking to Gentiles. And he is pointedly reminding this congregation of Gentiles who they were. He says, you weren't anyone special. You weren't given any special promises of God. Your ancestors were worshiping rocks and trees while the God of the Bible, Yahweh, was revealing himself to the people of Israel. And you had no part in that revelation. You were strangers to the covenants of God. You were outcasts. You were outsiders. You had no place in the presence of the Almighty. It's not exactly a warm and fuzzy uh, way to begin here. But his point is simply as Gentiles, which we all are, by the way. Most of our ancestors, in truth, were worshiping stones and trees. But as Gentiles, you were unwelcome in the presence of God because you were considered unclean and unfit to draw near to God. If you're ever, if you were even interested in trying to draw near, you simply would be consumed in divine wrath. It's like a slap in the face at this point. It's like Paul saying, remember your place, boy. Don't you dare forget who you are or where you came from. And your place is lower than the dogs who ate from the table scraps of the Israelites. Notice. 
Notice how desperate the situation is here for the Gentiles in verses 11 and 12. He says, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were not citizens of the people of God. You had no rights within their camp. Your citizenship did not belong to God, but to Magog. You did not belong here. You were strangers to the covenant. You were on the outside looking in. You did not understand the covenants of God, even if you did see them. But you were in truth blind to the mercy of God that he bestowed on a special people. A wall has been raised around God and his people. And you are on the outside, strangers to the promises of God. You are completely and hopelessly divided from God himself. And as a result, you are hopelessly divided from one another. The separation of man from one another is rooted here in their total separation with God. Verse 11 says, you were without God. Not only was God not in your presence, but you were a godless people. You were far from him. Nothing that you could do or say or think could bring him close to you. And you don't want that at this point. The language in scripture of being far off especially at the beginning of verse 13, is never a good thing when you're in the scriptures. It calls to mind specifically judgment and separation, being lost without any hope of ever being found, withstanding the divine justice and judgment. Paul says you had no hope. Without God, without the promises of God, this is where it always ends. This is where it always leads. No hope, no longing expectancy, no assurance of any kind. Without God, you simply look around this broken world and you look at the walls that separate you one from another. Walls first created by our separation from God himself and you see no meaning in this life. We have to create our own meaning. And that only leads to more despair, to further estrangement and alienation. Because the bottom line here, the bottom line that Paul is getting at, is that that is how things stand when you are separated from Christ and you know him not. When you are far off from him, this is what the world looks like. This is who you are when you stand separate from him, who is the head. And then the story turns. And there's a sudden shift here. And we see no longer strangers who are far off, but sons who are brought near. Sons who are brought near. Verse 13 tells us, but now in Christ, you who were far off have been brought near. God interceded. God no longer keeps you at a distance, but he allows the scales to fall from your eyes and brought you near. No longer are you counted as strangers to the promises of God the promise to draw near to a people. Instead, now you are counted as sons. Verse 19, you belong to the household of God. And now 
You no longer beg for food or for table scraps outside the city gates. But now you have been made fit to eat at the table of your God, who sets a bountiful feast before you as the father who kills the fatted calf and welcomes home the prodigal son. No longer are you alienated. No longer are you citizens without any rights in the kingdom of God. But now you are, verse 19, fellow citizens with the people of God. You have all the rights and privileges that the sons of God enjoy. No longer do you stand outside looking in, not understanding. No longer do you stand outside the walls separated from God and from man. But now you have been brought into the very presence of God, into the inner course of God's dwelling place. No longer is God standing far off at a distance, standing in judgment over you, but now he is near. And when he is near, he comes to you in peace. Christ himself is our peace. He hands you the olive branch and invites you to dwell within his gates, in his presence, in perfect communion with himself. Christ broke down the dividing wall of hostility in his own flesh. It's interesting what Paul has in mind here as he's been using these allusions to Gentiles, speaking about the problems that Gentiles specifically undergo. Paul uh, has something specific in mind that he shows what he's talking about. He's talking about a dividing wall of hostility that touches even beyond what we've already noted about how much the Gentiles were estranged from the Jews and separated from them at all costs. You see, in the first century, if you were to look upon and behold the Jewish temple with your own eyes, you would see a building that was surrounded by courts, and the innermost parts were raised up higher than the outermost parts. And the innermost parts were closest to the temple itself, where the Holy of Holies was, where God was said to dwell. And right next to that court, right next to the Holy of Holies was the court of priests. So we're going insert outward now. The court of priests where only male members of the tribe of Levi could enter this particular court. Men who had been set aside for the service of Yahweh. And attached to that court, attached to the outside of that court, was the court of Israel that only male Jews could enter. And attached to the outside of that court was the court of women, which was as close as Jewish women could get into the presence of God. This is like the mafia here. The more closely you work with the people, the more you work your way up, the closer you get to the Godfather. The closer you get to the Holy of Holies, the closer you are to God himself and in his presence. And the opposite is true as well. The further away you are, the further you are from God himself. And as you exit the court of women, you go further away from the Holy of Holies. You would descend a set of stairs 
And you would go to a level area where in the middle of this area was a wall that was built the whole way around it. And then after this wall, you would descend another 14 stairs into the court of the Gentiles. And inscribed on that wall, that court or that wall that separated the Jews from the Gentiles were written these words. No foreigner. By the way, that's the same word that Paul uses here when he says stranger. He says, no foreigner is to enter within this wall, an embankment around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for the death which follows. People of God, there is a real and deep separation of these peoples, one from another, Jew and Gentile. It is a hostile divide between these people. A true wall has been erected and it has been standing for more upward over a thousand years. But Paul tells us Christ broke down the wall of hostility in his own flesh. It doesn't exist anymore. Christ, when he came and, was, and died on the cross, when he was bearing the sins of all those who would by faith rest in him, he tore down that wall that Gentiles might flood into the Holy of Holies. Christ gave the Gentiles access to God. He made way for those who were far off to be brought near into his very presence. And he did this, verse 13, by his very blood. He did this, verse 14, by abolishing the law of commandments. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that Christ brought us near as sons, but fulfilling the law of God by doing all that the law of God commanded him to do, doing all that we could not. He stood in our place as an innocent man, and he interposed his precious blood for our souls. Christ tore down the wall that divides men from God, that separates men from the very presence of the almighty creator. And now, God's people, near and far, are drawn into the presence of God himself and stand together in his presence as one united body, united as one body, united as one body. In verse 14 through 22, Paul really makes a big deal out of this new oneness that has built up the people of God. You'll notice he references this oneness, this concept of being united to one another, at least once every single verse from 14 on, because this is really important to Paul. He's really getting into the heart of his letter now. Paul's driving concern as he writes to the Ephesians, the main theme that holds Ephesians together is the church united as one people. And he starts driving it home, really hitting it home right here. Verse 14, Christ made us both one. Both peoples, both Jew and Gentiles, are one body held together now. Verse 15, that he might create one new man. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, 
to God in one body. Verse 17, he preached peace to both of you, those who were far off and those who were near. Verse 18, we both have access through him by the Father, or to the Father by the Spirit. Verse 19, therefore, you are fellow citizens with Christ. No longer is there this hierarchy of those who can dwell with God or in his presence. The ground that the temple was laid on has been leveled. There's no more this ascending hierarchy or ascending importance. We all have been made fellow citizens together in Christ Jesus, brought into the kingdom of God. The walls have been torn down. They do not exist anymore. And now the new temple, the temple of his people, the people of God. Verse 21 says the whole structure, all the peoples of God who compose the household of God, Jew and Gentile, far and near, are now joined together. And in verse 22, he concludes simply, in him you are being built together as the dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit himself. You have become the new temple, and you are joined together. The church, that precious body of Christ Jesus, is being built together. We are living stones who are united one to another. We are the walls that are built upon, as he even describes the structure of the building of the church. We are the walls that the apostles and the are built on the apostles and the prophets, who are the foundation of the church. And we are built together on Christ, who is our chief cornerstone. We are built together. We are joined together. I love that language especially. He's saying you are mortared together. Just as you are bricks on a wall that have been mortared and joined together, so you have been joined to one another so that the walls will stand of the household of faith. The walls that divided us have been broken down and laid upon which Christ set as the cornerstone. And the whole household of faith is built on this notion that we are not divided from one another again. There are no Jew, no Gentile, no Greek, no Scythian, no male, no female. We are one in Christ. People of God, the wall of hostility has been torn down. The wall that separates us from God himself has been destroyed by Christ's own blood body. And if this is true, may we not be divided among ourselves. May we be united together as a body, as a body who seeks not to be isolated from one another, one who seeks to be built together in communion and fellowship, one who who don't build up our own walls, keeping each other out. 
Christ has brought us into full communion and fellowship with God. Should we do any less with our own brethren? Should we shun those who are yet far off, those who are outside the camp? People of God, may we welcome the stranger into our midst. May we not divide ourselves from one another, for we are no longer separated from God himself who broke down the dividing wall, the wall that keeps us out. He broke it down, the wall, broke down the walls that divide us one from another. People of God, Christ has united us to himself. He gave his own son to do this thing. He has brought a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue together. He unites us as one. May we honor that. May we live in gratitude for this great redemption that is ours by seeking to love one another, to bear with one another's burdens, to lift one another up, and be built together as one body in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you as your church. Those who have been built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles and Christ Jesus himself. And we thank you for this redemption, for drawing us nigh to you. When we were far off, when all that awaited us was judgment and condemnation, you came down and you drew near to us in the person and work of Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would continue to help build your body together, build us in a perfect unity, one that reflects yourself and your purpose. Father, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your word. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.